0: Well, good morning, church. I um, have to let you in on a little secret. I hope Pastor Doug can't hear me right now. <clears throat> I was sitting next to him earlier, and I distinctly heard him say, I sure hope I get all the pink flamingos in my yard. <laughs> You're welcome, Les. Checks can be made out to Tammy swanson it's so good to be with you today, and it's so much fun to be here on a day in which we're celebrating the installation of your newest pastor, Pastor Luke, and what a blessing it is to have him here. Both of his parents, who also happen to be pastors, are here, as well as his grandparents, so it's amazing to have you here to help celebrate, and I've had the pleasure of meeting little Nora, Jamie last service, and now little Nora, and wow, what a wonderful family, so you have a great pastoral staff here at First Covenant. I don't know what you're doing to attract the talent you have. (laughs) So let me, for those of you who don't know me very well, just give you a couple little pieces of information so you know who's talking to you today. Um, I am married to my best friend, Kelly, and he is not able to be here today and wishes he could be, but um, we've celebrated 35 years of marriage in December. We have two grown sons with two wonderful daughter-in-laws who have given us Maybe most importantly, two beautiful granddaughters. Any grandparents here? Wave your hand. Okay, so you know what this means it changes your world. And um, I grew up in a covenant church in California, Peninsula Covenant Church, if anyone's familiar with that church. And uh, I came back to Christ in the covenant church, and in particular in a covenant camp, the one that was out in California. Uh, I've had the privilege of serving two covenant churches, as Pastor Doug said, and now it's really such a great joy to be able to serve a hundred churches across this region and uh, to be very intentional about planting new churches because our world and our communities desperately need to know that God loves them. So it's my joy to be able to be involved with that. And I love what uh, First Covenant Salina, who's always been so active in mission, uh, just the things that you're doing in your community and your support around the world is magnificent, the ways in which you partner with us. In terms of the church planting that goes on in this region, I'm just deeply grateful for your generosity and all you do. So thank you. And if you haven't picked up on it, you probably can hear that I love the church. I actually think the church is the hope of the world. I think the world desperately needs to see the body of Christ and to experience God's love through them. So with that said, I'd like to just open with a with a word of prayer. Gracious God, it is such a privilege to stand here this morning and to share from your word. And I ask that um, it would not be my words that people hear, but your message. And I pray that you'd meet people right where they are, their greatest point of need. Less of me, Father, more of you. And so towards that end, Lord, I pray that you would bless this time together. Thank you for Uh, just being in your presence this morning through the wonderful worship, lifting our hearts up to you. And so now I pray that as we hear from your word, we would hear personally from you. In Jesus' name I ask this. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 So as Pastor Doug read, my text this morning comes from Ephesians, Ephesians chapter one. And this is a book. It's actually a letter that is taking considerable care to talk about who we are in Christ as Christ followers and really what that means for us. And I'm so excited to spend time in this first chapter because right out of the gate, Paul starts with this amazing, explosive prayer of thanksgiving that was just read for us. Now, an interesting piece of trivia The first verses that we read, actually verses 3 to 14, in the Greek language, the original language, is one long, run-on sentence. Now, we don't always see that because in our English versions it's been divided by periods and commas and paragraph breaks to make it easier to read. But in its original form, it's over 200 plus words with no comma, no period, no semicolon, no question mark, no exclamation point. 200 plus words without punctuation leads to one very long run-on sentence. Do I have any teachers in here who would say amen? (laughs) Now, contrary to what I just said, I actually think there's more than just a piece of trivia here. Here's what I think. I think as Paul starts this letter and he is explaining what it is that God has done for us in Jesus how blessed we are, basically covering all of salvation history since before the foundations of the world until that time when God brings together all things on heaven and, and on earth under Christ. As he's declaring this, he's simply so exuberant that he can't come up long enough for, to, to put in a punctuation. At least that's my interpretation of this. He's so excited. And there is a ton to be learned here from this book, but I think what I want to say is I think there's a lot to be learned also from the tone in which Paul delivers it. Now, keep in mind, when Paul wrote this, he'd been a Christ follower for some 30 years It was 30 years before this that he had that powerful conversion experience on the Damascus Road when God just exploded on the scene for him. And for 30 years, he'd been teaching the Bible. He'd planted churches. He'd been in prison. He'd navigated arguments in the church. I mean, for goodness sakes, he started a few arguments in the church. He settled matters of racial inequalities. He employed and gave honor to the place of women to use their full gifting in the church. I don't know that he. He did things like argue over the color of the carpeting or what instruments are going to be played in worship. I highly doubt it. But I do know that he had been preaching and teaching and leading a gospel movement for some 30 years when he wrote this. So this was not new news to him. In fact, it was old news, but it was very, very good news to him. And as Paul starts out this letter with this 200 plus word, broad brushstroke summary of all that God has done for us in Jesus, he is so ridiculously ecstatic, he simply can't slow down long enough to catch his breath. So I want to give you kind of a loose paraphrase of what was just read a few moments ago, if I can, kind of in what I envision to be Paul's style. We'll just call this the Tammy paraphrase, if I can take that liberty with you. So Paul is saying, listen. I don't have time for commas or periods or semicolons because I am still so overwhelmed with the never-ending reckless love of a God who would send his only son to die for me and to raise him from the dead so that in him I have received every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms that God chose me before he spun the earth on its axis, before he flung the stars into the universe. I graced his holy imagination and he said, you're mine. He chose me. He predestined in me to be adopted as his child, and he has included me in the family of God where I have an inheritance that far exceeds anything I can possibly ever imagine or hope for this side of heaven. And I know I've got it coming because it's been signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit, who is the down payment for all that is to come for all of God's adopted children. To God be the glory. Is that good news, church? Yeah. Amen. <laughs> And so I want to ask us this morning, are we excited about Jesus? Are we excited about being discipled by Jesus? In fact, I don't even want to make that a rhetorical question. I want us to answer that, church. Are we excited about Jesus? Yes. Paul was a follower of Jesus for 30 years. He still couldn't catch his breath. He was so in awe of the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And I wonder if some of us this morning, and by the way, I'm concluding myself in this some of us who have been following for a number of years, maybe even a few decades, if if some of us might need a reminder this morning of the enormity of the, of the magnitude of who Jesus is and what it is that he's done for us. So I want to, in these remaining minutes, to dig out some of what has the apostles so awestruck in these verses. I've I got to be clear here. What's described here is really the motherload of spiritual blessings. And I just want to dig in and grab a few nuggets for, for us this morning. So let me just start right out of the gate with the first nugget, and it is this. He chose you. Now, verse 4 says he chose you before the creation of the world. Let that sink in. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, we had this kind of dysfunctional playground activity that would happen when it would be time to go out and play team sports and we'd get out on the playground and. I hope they're not doing this anymore, by the way. <laughs> you get out on the playground and you got to choose sides. So you appoint two captains, and those captains kind of go through the students, all of them out there on the playground, standing there vulnerably, picking, and they start with the best alternately, all the way down the line until they get to the most athletically challenged. Sometimes there'd be someone who no one wanted on their team at all. And it was difficult. It was painful to watch because sometimes the same people would be at the end of the line. And and if you were one of these habitually last to be picked people, oh, you dreaded this. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, I see the rest of you are all the athletic types in here. Okay. Okay. Just so we're straight. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter one. You need to know that the captain of all creation, before he created the world, he knew your name and he called you out and he said, I pick you. You are mine and I want you on my team. And here's the reality. If if you've chosen to follow Jesus is that long before you ever chose to follow Jesus, he chose you. Long before you ever decided I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, he decided to choose you. Being chosen before creation, it has everything to do with the value that he places on us and, and by that, I mean on every human being it, it has nothing to do with God arbitrarily choosing some and overlooking others, which is good news no in fact, that is great news because there may be some of you here who have at one time or another felt overlooked, maybe weren 't picked for that team in school, maybe it 's your work maybe you 've been at the, your job for a while and you 've been looked over year after year for promotion or maybe 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 in school you don't feel like you're a part of the in crowd or in your neighborhood or your workplace or dare I even say sometimes even in the church or maybe you felt left out. You don't get invited to all the parties and so you felt discounted, overlooked, disregarded, unchosen. I want you to hear the voice of Jesus coming through here in Ephesians chapter 1. Listen, my child. I chose you, I picked you, and I want you on my team. You are of inestimable worth to me. Before the foundation of the world, I chose you to be mine. You are chosen people. That is good news, church. Nugget number two is this. You've been adopted into God's family. Verse 5 tells us long, long ago he decided to adopt us into his family. He predestined us for adoption. So let me share a little personal story to kind of highlight this a bit about a nurse named Shayla. It was a Friday night and Shayla had uh, been called into work in the maternity ward. And that was not a place she normally worked. In fact, she hadn't been there for months, maybe even a couple of years. And The problem is someone had called in sick, and so they had asked her to come in, and she agreed to do that. And a woman had come in that night who was pregnant, about ready to give birth, and it was Shayla's job that night to care for her. And while she was caring for her, she learned a couple of things. She learned, first of all, that this woman was giving birth way before her due date, so at least two weeks. And the second thing that she learned was that this woman was going to put her child up for adoption. That evening... um, or later when Shayla went on break, they got breaks every so often. Shayla called home to her husband because they had been talking for some time about what it might look like to adopt. They had two children of their own, a six and a seven-year-old boy that they'd had naturally, but they'd been told they couldn't have any more children. And so they had kind of hoped and dreamed that someday they might be able to fill their family through adoption. That evening as the woman gave birth to this healthy baby girl it created a big stir across the maternity ward because people were speculating about what would happen to this baby and and at the end of her shift when shayla left to go she could not stop thinking about this baby when she got home, she and her husband talked late into the night about completely unattainable possibilities, wondering and contemplating what would happen to that baby, and the next morning, it was a Saturday morning when most doctors' offices are closed, she, on a sort of an inner prompting, decided to call and check in, and sure enough, she got a hold of the receptionist, she explained while she was calling, and within an hour, she had a call back from the doctor who delivered the baby, and he told her this, he said, you know the doctor that was supposed to deliver the baby in another two weeks is on vacation no one can get a hold of him we don't know who this baby is supposed to go to and then he said to shayla this since you were the first to get your foot in the door if you want to start the legal process you can take this baby home so on a monday morning After a frantic weekend of going out and purchasing bottles and diapers and all kinds of paraphernalia you can imagine for a new baby, they drove to the hospital and that nurse put that baby in Shalo's arms. And she said she just wept with joy. And if you haven't figured it out already, that baby girl was me. I am that child. And I consider my adoption Nothing short of a miraculous convergence of extraordinary God-orchestrated moments. I am so grateful to God for the family and the home that he placed me in. And I've always understood this to be a gracious gift and even important to my identity as the much-loved child of Shayla and Winston Swanson. But even more importantly... As a lavishly and extravagantly loved child of God. This is our story. Our stories are a miraculous convergence of extraordinary God orchestrated moments that have led to us being adopted as children of God. 1 John 3, 1, one of my favorite scriptures of all time. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. I remember saying to my brothers growing up, both of them born of my parents naturally, yeah, Mom and Dad, they were stuck with you, but they chose me. I don't know what kind of life I was saved out of. It may have been tragic. I I really don't have a clue. And it's kind of like the gospel. I do know the life I was blessed with. The good news of the gospel is not just that we're saved from something. We are. We're saved from our sins. We're saved from our folly, from a mundane existence. But it's more than that. It's that we are invited into God's family, that he gives us an inheritance, and that in every way he treats us as his dearly loved children. And that's great news. We could spend a lifetime unpacking the depths of what that means to be God's adopted children. Let me just leave you with a couple of thoughts, just scratching the surface here. So if you are a son or a daughter of God, you have unhindered, unrestricted access to God as your father. And here's what I mean. When my kids, when my children were little babies and they cried in the middle of the night, I came running. When they were in grade school and and they needed something, and I pretty much dropped everything, and I came running. And when my kids were teenagers and they wanted to talk, (laughs) you better believe I sat and I listened. And when my grown children call me just to chat, I'm pretty much going to take that call no matter when it comes. Don't even get me going on my grandchildren. (laughs) Why? Because they're my kids and because I love them and I delight in them and I love to hear from them. Verse 5 tells us you've been adopted. It means you have unrestricted, unhindered access to a father that simply delights in you. He loves you and he loves to hear from you. Now, some of you may have had a rocky relationship with your dad and some of you may not have felt that same kind of love that I'm describing coming from your family of origin. But some of you have had a great dad who really modeled the love of Christ for you, did a great job with that. What I want you to hear is regardless of your earthly father, what I want you to hear this morning really is the voice of God who delights in you who says you can call me dad you can call me anytime I will be your father I have chosen you and adopted you into my family and here's another thing if you're an adopted son or daughter of God not only do you get unrestricted access to a father who delights in you and who loves to hear from you you get a family When I was adopted, I got more than just a relationship with my parents. I got a family, and and I remember them telling me the stories of how that went. Uh, You know, so many wonderful stories when a child is adopted and how my brothers at school on that Monday came running home just down the street when they arrived home with me in their arms, so excited to see me rushing through the door just kind of standing there and kind of like a deer caught in the headlights. and Finally, uh, one of them reaching out and kind of running their hand up and down my arm arm to see if I was real and okay it hasn't always been that storybook but that's the way it was when I first entered the scene the point is I didn't just get parents out of the deal I got a beautiful family and and we belonged to one another Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this about the Christian family He said, we belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, we have been chosen from eternity, accepted in time, and united for eternity. This should impact everything. When I think of God's family, of course it's so much bigger than my beautiful little family of origin. In fact, it's so much bigger even than the first covenant Salina family. It's bigger than the whole covenant denomination, isn't it? It's people from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Anyone who calls God Father and knows Jesus, His Son. And it means we need to care about the things that matter to the rest of the family. Scripture tells us that, right? When we someone is experiencing joy, we rejoice. With them when they suffer We need to care about the things they're Suffering with for example when children Who have been separated at the border From their parents are terrified We need to care about that When children are shot in the streets Or in the movie theaters or in their Grandma's backyard we need To care about that when some of our Brothers and sisters lack opportunities That others of us take for granted We need to care about that When people in places that God Created and he values and he loves are lumped together and referred to in the most profane language, we need to care about that. And when our brothers and sisters of color tell us about their experiences they've had and how they've been wounded, we need to listen to them and we need to care about that. And when Christians around the world are persecuted, mistreated, imprisoned, run out of their country, we need to care because the family of God transcends the color of our skin, the country of our origin, and the language that we speak god said it that makes it so and ephesians tells us that one day according to god's good pleasure which he purposed in christ when the times reach their fulfillment he's going to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under christ to the praise of his glory amen And Revelation, seven, that's worth clapping about. <laughs> Revelation 7 paints exactly that picture of the family of God. People from every nation, tribe, people, and language gathered around the throne of God, praising Him in the heavenly realms. And I'm telling you, friends, that is going to be the best family reunion we will ever experience. No wonder Paul was so exuberant. We get a family with all the blessings and all the responsibilities that come with that. You're a family here, brothers and sisters of First Covenant, Salina. And you're part of a greater covenant family. In fact, a family that extends all around the globe. And it's been God's plan all along to pull this diverse family together both those in heaven and those on earth to bring unity under Christ. And we get the privilege of aligning our heart with God's heart in this matter. We get the privilege of aligning our plans with God's plans and participating with him to accomplish this in the here and now because we are already belonging to each other. In fact, I think we just prayed this morning. Lord, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if you're to read on in Ephesians chapter 2, you see that the, the dividing walls of hostility that exist have already been broken down by Jesus in his work on the cross. To claim God as father is to claim literally all of God's children as our brothers and sisters. Being adopted means you're a part of God's diverse family. That to me is worth an amen, by the way. Okay, winding down here, nugget number three. We were blessed with every spiritual blessing chosen before the creation of the world, adopted into God's family, redeemed through the blood of Jesus, forgiven of our sins, lavished in the richness of God's grace, guaranteed an inheritance filled with the spirit of the living God for the praise of his glory, for the praise of his glory. You see that little phrase appear three times in this one section that was read this morning. And so I think it's saying we need to pay attention here. Whenever we see references in scripture to God's glory, it's talking about God being revealed. And and when we see God being revealed, really, we're experiencing his presence and his power. and, And we can't help but praise him. Glory is all about revelation. God revealing his character as a loving God, a a saving God, a God who adopts us, a God who restores us, a God who values us, a, a God who delights in us. But in this outburst of praise to God's goodness, Paul kind of turns this on its side and he says, we who are in Christ are for the praise of his glory. In other words, we get to participate with him And revealing Christ to the world. To the praise of his glory. Verse 4 says, He chose us before the creation of the world to live holy and blameless lives before God. Which makes total sense because we're for the praise of his glory whatever else the church is we have to be a community of changed people we have to look different than the rest of the world our primary residence our primary citizenship is in the kingdom of god and we need to take our identity cues from there and not from the toxic device of me first dehumanizing and devaluing rhetoric that is taking place in our world today rather we are called to live in alignment with god's plan and his purposes which is to bring all all things in heaven and on earth under christ so that we we who are in christ may be for the praise of his glory as we demonstrate that to a watching world that's the point here <laughs> we are chosen by god for the praise of his glory We are adopted by God for the praise of his glory. We are put in a diverse family for the praise of his glory so that we can participate in Christ's plans to make him known. The beauty of our life being incorporated into the life of Christ, a people chosen, adopted, reconciled, loved, redeemed, valued, is that God would be praised. To God be the glory. So when we ponder that question, I asked at the outset, are we excited about being disciples of Jesus? Can I just ask it again? Church, are we excited about Jesus? Yes. Yes. It's my prayer, dear First Covenant Salina family, that you will grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. To know this love that surpasses knowledge. It is so tremendous we can't even wrap our minds around it. To know this love that is overwhelming. It is never ending. This radical love of God that you might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So much so that it spills out of you and pours into the lives of those around you. And to God be the glory. To God be the glory in his church. To God be the glory in Christ Jesus. Now and forever and ever. Amen. Oh gracious God. It is hard for us to wrap our minds around the totality of what it means to be chosen. Before the creation of the world. To be adopted as your children with a full inheritance full heirs of your promises right alongside Christ and God it is unbelievably humbling to know that we can be a part of a diverse family that will one day stand before your throne worshiping in harmony and in unity And, Lord, I ask that you would help us to live into all aspects of the knowledge of this identity that you have placed on us in the here and the now. That we might bring glory to you. That as we leave here and as we spend time in our neighborhoods and among extended family and in our workplaces and in our school, that we might bring glory to your name, that Jesus would be lifted up and that people would come to know your precious love because of the way in which we have chosen to live our lives and live into this identity you've given us. And we will return all the glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.